This is Steady Habits, a Connecticut Mirror podcast. It's where we take a look at life here in the land of steady habits, what works, what doesn't, and how to make things work just a little bit better. I'm John Dankosky. Thanks so much for joining me. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Young people are leaving Connecticut. Our cities aren't interesting enough. Our suburbs just aren't built for the lives they want to live. It's too expensive. There's not enough public transportation. There aren't enough other young people around. This may all be true, but it might be starting to turn around. And what do we have to thank for it? Yep, a global pandemic. Cool cities like Boston and New York with their dense housing, their available transit and their bars and restaurants have been attracting young people who grew up in Connecticut for decades. But a lot of those bars and restaurants, they're closed now. Public transit can be a pretty scary place. The idea of living with four roommates in a small apartment has lost some of its luster in the age of social distancing. Jessica Friedman, our Steady Habits producer, writes for the Mirror's Viewpoints section. And this week, her millennial pulse piece is, New York is losing its young people. Is Connecticut gaining them? Welcome, Jess. Thanks for having me, John. So first of all, why did you want to write about this subject? So it's definitely something that, you know, I've experienced personally. I started working for The Mirror right after I left New York, um, and I was always kind of a diehard New Yorker, and when my lease was up, it didn't make sense to deal with all that kind of New York nonsense, and I moved out, which is something that I never thought that I would do. Um, and it, I didn't really know that this was a, a trend, per se, until I went to cancel my Wi-Fi router, and the person on the other side said, do you not want to cancel? Do you want to set it up in your new apartment? And I said, actually, I'm actually moving back in with my parents, so no, I don't need to. And the guy in the other line said, I have gotten this call thousands of times a day. Everyone has been calling me saying, I don't need to renew anything. I'm moving back in with my parents. So then I was kind of like, oh, maybe this is something that's happening to everybody and not just me. So have you started to look at the actual statistics on this? Because that's a great anecdote. And obviously, people who are in that line of work are seeing a lot of people who are making the switch. But is, is it holding up with the, with the facts? Yes, absolutely. So according to the United States Postal Service, in the first two months of the pandemic alone, 10,000 people actually requested to change their address from New York to Connecticut. And in the same time period last year, it was only 1,200 people. Wow. So that's a huge difference. So it really, it obviously has to do with the pandemic. It has to do with people wanting to get out of New York. But do we know that these are primarily young people? So based on some statistics from New York cell phone data uh, cited by the New York Times, the neighborhoods that have emptied out the most are the neighborhoods where young people live, Brooklyn Heights, West Village, East Village. So we're going to get into this in our conversation, and you write about this a bit in your piece. The question is, yeah, they're leaving in the middle of a pandemic, but are they going to stay? I mean, what do we know about that? What are you hearing from people? So based on just people who I've spoken to, there's a pretty clear divide. There's the kind of older group of millennials who maybe they're thinking about kids, maybe they are married, and they were kind of always thinking they might move to the suburbs, and they're making that jump now. But for the people who have kind of moved back in with their parents, I'm not sure if those people are staying. So I reached out to uh, Mike Handler and Ted Farrone, the co-presidents of Building and Land Technology, which they're responsible for the Harbor Point development in Stanford and some other developments in South Norwalk. So I thought that they would really know because their developments are pretty much the source of millennial growth, at least in Stanford. So here's what Ted had to say about that. We've seen a much higher percentage of people moving, uh, particularly to Stanford from New York City, uh, to a lesser extent in Norwalk. We would track it about twice the rate we would typically do 
on the single family home side, we've certainly seen a huge uptick in single family sales of people coming out of the city and also people renting. We've always had a decent amount of out migration from New York City to Stanford, but we're seeing about double that rate today. So my overall impression from talking to Ted was that, you know, he mentioned the single family home side. So older millennials are absolutely making that move to Connecticut. But I wanted to know what was happening with that younger population, the population that moved here seemingly temporarily. So joining Ted to answer this question is his co-president at Building and Land Technology, Mike Handler. Yeah, so I, I can tell you just anecdotally from, you know, friends and peers um, that I talk to all the time, a lot of people have moved out of New York City back home. And that works um, for a period of time uh, until it doesn't work anymore for either the parents or the, or the money that's living at home. But I think the next step is then to find a permanent place to live. And for a lot of people, I think a lot of people, that solution is right here in their backyard. They don't have a desire to go back into New York yet. And there's a place for them to live um, where it's A, close to their family, but also they can get to work reasonably uh, easily. So I think that's kind of the next step. You definitely see a lot of disruption, right? Things that you, you thought you'd be in New York City forever. And so suddenly you find yourself out in Connecticut debating whether you're going to go back to the city. But if I had asked you that six months ago, you would have said, no, I wouldn't even consider that. But that's the opportunity for Connecticut, right? That, that is exactly the opportunity to seize on it. You know, and it's not just us, right? You know, we literally, we've, we've built 3,400 apartments here at Harbor Point in the last maybe 10 years. And there've been thousands more built in downtown Stanford and they're all largely full. So, you know, it's, it's clearly something that, you know, has real resonance with the customer base. So Mike and Ted clearly make a great case for the apartments in Connecticut, but I'm not quite sure if we're at that stage yet of somebody who's leaving New York for Connecticut permanently, especially if their life isn't based in Connecticut right now. I don't think that doesn't mean that we won't get there eventually. As Mike noted, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, and there's a big difference too between people who feel like they want to move into an apartment in kind of a hip neighborhood in Norwalk or Stanford versus people that want to settle down and like buy a single family house in Connecticut, which if you're going to buy it in southwestern Connecticut and Fairfield County, that's a pretty expensive proposition. Yeah, I think it's just very interesting right now to be just collecting anecdotal evidence. I think millennials are very much conscious of what other people are doing and how other people perceive what they're doing. So for the younger population, you know, moving in with your parents, that very much got a rebrand. So I think a lot of this is just going to be following trends and not underestimating the power that millennials have on other millennials. So well, t- tell me more about that rebrand though. Cause I mean, it's always been seen a little bit as, uh, you had to move back in with your parents and then your parents are saying, well, my daughter's living with me for a while while she's looking for work. I mean, tell me about that rebrand. How are people talking about this whole idea of moving back in with the folks? You know, if you're, of course, if you're able to, if your parents are close by and you know, you have that relationship, but it's pretty much something that seemingly overnight, everybody just kind of did, which kind of begs the question, how stable was your independent life on your own that you could kind of quickly wrap things up and and hop back with your family? Yeah. And of course, I think with all things that we're talking about here, it's really important to note that not everyone in this sort of situation we're talking about has the ability to go back and forth from place to place. There's an awful lot of people who can't go back and live with their parents in Connecticut. There's a lot of people who can't afford to make a move back and forth. So we're again talking about a a fairly privileged class of, of folks who are in this subset moving back and forth between Fairfield County and New York. So who else did you talk to for the story? I spoke to 33-year-old Jessica Paris, who is in a very unique situation. She lived in New York with her husband, 
they moved to the Harbor Point development in Connecticut. And then when their lease was up in February, they moved back to New York. So they kind of got one month to live their life in New York and then the pandemic struck. Here's what Jessica had to say about moving back to New York amidst a pandemic. When I was looking to leave the city, I was like, okay, like I'm married, you know, we're going to try to have kids soon. And, you know, maybe I don't know where I want to live in the suburbs yet. Like I have no idea. I don't know any towns. I don't want to buy a house. I have no desire to like commit to a house and everything that goes with it. So what if we move to Stanford? It's more of like a mini city away from New York and we can get a sort of a taste of the suburbs while renting an apartment in like a nice community like Harbor Point. And I kind of realized that I wasn't ready for suburb life. Um, so I ended up getting a job back in the city, which is definitely one of the reasons we moved back. And now we moved back just in time to not come to an office and be quarantined in a smaller apartment where if we just stayed in Stanford for one more month, I wouldn't have needed to commute anyway, and I would have had a larger space. So it's just been an interesting time for us. So even though she did express some regret for leaving Connecticut, later in our conversation, it did come up that for right now, her and her husband and their baby on the way are not looking to move back to Connecticut. So I think although the pandemic has been absolutely devastating for New Yorkers and for the city itself. I think people are avoiding making a big decision in a crisis if they can help it. That's right. Because as I think we heard from from Jerry Seinfeld and other people, right? New York is not dying here. New York is is a thriving city. It's been a hub of American life for such a long time. People have been wanting to move there from Connecticut and all over the rest of the world for such a long time. A couple months of things being bad isn't probably a reason for people to give up the idea that New York might be the place to live. Right. And I think that there is a, a real diehard New Yorker attitude in the way that I don't think there might be diehard Connecticut people. I'm sure there are, but I think there's a lot of pride as well tied in. You don't want to be somebody who gives up at the first sign of trouble. But but you, you do think, though, that this shift of millennials moving out of cities is something that will probably continue in some way for years to come following this pandemic. Yeah, I think you see... I think you see little bits and pieces of it, right? We're not moving now, but, you know, we're in a smaller space. So I think in the past, New Yorkers always make jokes about how they live in a shoebox, their apartments are so small. But I think now that you're coming to terms with the reality of, oh, I'm paying to live and paying more to live in a smaller space, I think as those kind of thoughts seep in, uh, the seeds of doubt will be planted. And I think long term, we're going to see repercussions of that. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about what we should expect to see in Connecticut in the coming years. So I spoke to David Corris, who is the president of the Stanford Downtown Special Services District. Here's what David had to say about that. You know, I think as people locate here, even if temporarily, that then is a new captive audience that we can try and sell on Connecticut for the longer term. So even if, you know, some people only put their toe in the water uh, expecting to get a taste, the chances are that, you know, some portion of them will, will like what they find and want to continue. Even if it doesn't affect you in the next, you know, five to 10 years, it's kind of recalibrated your range of options over the long term. And I think this will be kind of an awakening for people that, you know, having a connection to the big cities 
is maybe more important than being in them. And, uh, and as long as the big cities still have some strength, those smaller communities that are connected to them, like Southwestern Connecticut, um, can do really well. What's interesting, Jess, to me about what David just said there is that that's essentially the argument about why people wanted to move to the suburbs in the first place. When suburbs outside of New York or Boston started to boom in the middle of last century, it was because people were trying to escape the city and they wanted a life that was adjacent to the big city, but not necessarily in it. And it sounds to me like he's saying that this idea of adjacency, a suburb outside a city, is still very much a relevant thing in the age of pandemic. And I think that's where it's really interesting to look at Southwestern Connecticut. Because the city, you know, Boston, D.C., all of these cities are struggling. But here we have a great city that is very close to New York. So you may not want to uproot your whole life and move to the Midwest. But moving to Connecticut is, you know, it's not second best anymore, I think. Yeah, and I will, I will tell you, a lot of people who live in the city who can afford to buy homes outside the city, they've been snatching up an awful lot of property, not just in southwestern Connecticut, but all over the state because they see this as a, as a refuge. I mentioned Jerry Seinfeld before. I know you've been reading a lot about this. I, I don't know, is there a big conversation happening about the state of New York following what happened with coronavirus this year? So there has been a really interesting kind of war of public opinion going on right now. I saw it a little bit in the beginning when all of those articles kind of came out, you know, New York is dead, no one's coming back. But recently, a LinkedIn article actually went viral called New York is dead forever. Here's why. And it was a really thorough article, lots of sources, lots of statistics. And it clearly struck a nerve with a lot of people. And that's, you had mentioned Jerry Seinfeld's op-ed, So You Think New York is Dead, which was actually a direct rebuttal to that argument. And I think whichever side of this you're on, just the biggest thing that stood out to me was, it was a quote from the first one. The author quoted his friend who said, it's not goodbye yet, but a lifelong New Yorker is thinking about it. So before I I leave you, Jess, in my introduction to this program, I, I went through a whole lot of the things that I've been saying on the radio for years, right? That we don't see young people wanting to stay in Connecticut if they grew up here. They don't want to stay in Connecticut if they went to college here. And we're always going to struggle because we're going to lose population to Boston and New York and and other big cities like the ones that you mentioned. Taking the pandemic aside, do you think any of that changes? I mean, do you think that that trend overall, that a a suburban state, a, a state with a lot of rural area, a state that doesn't have any one big super vibrant city in it, that it's always going to kind of be a place where young people want to move away from? Or do you think that that could change over time? I think the pandemic, it kind of tapped into everybody's basic wants and needs in a way that I think can be very confronting, especially for young people who maybe weren't thinking about these things before. You know, I think when push comes to shove and you don't have a bar to distract yourself or you don't have you know, a a coffee shop or a gym or a thing like that, you just think, where am I comfortable? Where am I happy? Who am I surrounded by? Um, I mean, people immediately, they wanted to, they wanted to be by bodies of water, they wanted to be in open air. And I think when kind, it's less about a city, but when all of these things, when there's all these challenges, a pandemic, danger, risk, you just want to be where you're comfortable. So, so comfortable Connecticut is a way to sell it to millennials, you think? 
I think it's more, I think the answer to whether or not there's going to be a change in population shift coming to Connecticut is as those hard no's turn to maybes, I think those will turn into yeses. Jessica Friedman produces Steady Habits with me. She also wrote this Viewpoints piece in the Connecticut Mirror, which you can read. It's called New York is Losing Its Young People. Is Connecticut Gaining Them? Jess, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Our Steady Beats are produced by George Mastrianis and Dave Swanson at Legend Studios in Avon, Connecticut. I'm John Dankosky. Please make sure to join us for a very special event coming up on Tuesday night, September 1st. This is a one-hour-long conversation about one of the most important topics in the world right now. It's the confluence of race and politics and sports. And I'm sitting down with Doug Glanville, former Major League Baseball player, ESPN analyst, and someone who has thought very deeply on these issues. If you want to go to our website, ctmirror.org, you can find out how to sign up for this very special event. Again, it's Tuesday, the 1st of September. It's at 8 o'clock. Hope you can join us. I'm John Dankosky. This is Steady Habits. We'll talk to you soon.